Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good to be here this morning. We do feel family with you. Uh, Right at the outset, for those of you that know us, and we've been on a journey together, uh, both in my private life or our lives at the loss of our son, and uh, also with Pastor Tony's journey that he's been on just recently with sickness, and it's just great to do life together and, and to allow that which we believe to be true in the toughest of times. There was a time through my grief where I asked God, where do I turn? Where do I go right now as I'm feeling so much pain? And the thought came to me, what about listening to the sermons you've preached to everybody else? Because if they're not worth preaching to you, they're not worth preaching to anybody else. And so all I can say today is that when you go through tragedy and sad times, What you believe, if it's real, it goes deeper. It goes deeper. This morning, I wanted to share our journey with you and I spoke to Tony and I distinctly felt not to go down that track for this morning. Maybe there'll be another time. But I do want to bring something this morning that I believe is very timely right now in history. And I want to speak today about the empowered church. The empowered church. And I don't want to just speak to victory this morning, but... As some of you may be aware, three years ago, I transitioned our church to Pastor Jonathan, who took over the leadership. But over three or four weeks ago, I felt challenged by God. A couple of months ago now, really, the journey started to relinquish my role altogether on staff and to actually come off paid staff and to become available to the body of Christ, to pastors and leaders around all the different denominations around this country, and just to be an encouragement a prophetic voice. I believe my life message is to build according to God's pattern. And the way God has showed me patterns is through pictures, pictures in Scripture prophetically. And what I want to speak today about involves victory, involves every church in Adelaide, but involves Big C Church. As I believe, there's no doubt in my mind that Christianity is entering a completely new era. It is not just a new season. It's a complete new era. I have seen seasons come and go, but this feels very different. And I believe it's a history-making time in the world right now for the church. The church is moving into what I call a Kairos time, not a Kronos time. Kronos time is the time you have on your watch and we can tell right now it's 20 to 11. But there is a Kairos time where God intervenes on the planet into the lives of men and women to bring about a move that the world has not seen until now. History will talk about this time. Young people sitting here today will be history makers as we move into this new era. Generations to come can look back at this time and talk about a reformation that took place that transformed both church and community. God is releasing His power to empower We don't just want power to feel good in church. We don't want just power to make us feel closer to God, as good as that is. But the church is being empowered 
to have influence on its community in a way that's very powerful. Three pictures today that I wanna show you from Scripture that God has shown me that I believe are very powerful to where we're at right now. There are three things that God is doing right now in the church. May we have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say. I wanna say this right now, when you go through pain and loss, you realise that you don't wanna waste your life, even though we didn't feel that way before, that we didn't wanna waste our lives. We've always felt this way, but it goes deeper. What you believe goes deeper. And I don't wanna do churchianity. I don't wanna go through the motions of parking my blessed assurance on a seat every Sunday and not seeing a transformed life within me. I said to someone the other day, every one of us as Christians are pastors and we have a congregation inside of us and we are all called to pastor that congregation. You see, all the voices that speak in a congregation are also inside of you. The voices that say you're a failure, the voices that say you'll never get through this, the voices that say, where was your faith? I've been in over 17 churches since our son passed away. And in every church I've prayed with people that have lost their children. Only two weeks ago to be in Brisbane and pray for a pastor and his wife who have lost their 16 year old daughter and his congregation said, if you'd had more faith, he wouldn't have died. She wouldn't have died. They had a breakdown and resigned the ministry. They wept on my shoulder as I was able to bring biblical pattern to the lie that they had been told. And I wanna tell you friends, it is an incredible day today for us to realise what God is doing and God is releasing power to His church and truth to His church. Three things, three pictures God showed me. Number one, God is reviving or awakening a great giant called the church. He's awakening the sleeping giant called the church. There is an awakening coming. It is my conviction that the church in Australia is not yet to reach its potential in the way we speak into our culture. Let me tell you, we're called to be a Daniel generation in a Babylonian culture. And it's not time for Babylon to tell the church how to live. It's time for the tribe of Judah to rise up and influence Babylon in the way our society. Come on, give God a hand of praise. So God is empowering His church by number one, reviving her. If you'd like to come to Acts chapter 20, we're gonna look at the first picture. In Acts chapter 20 today, we read a story of a man called Eutychus. It's not a disease, it's a real name. And it says in verse seven, on the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. I promise you I won't do that today. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him and took him in his arms and said, you idiot, why were you sitting in the window? No, 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 he didn't say that. Sorry, wrong translation, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper and ate together. And Paul continued talking to them until dawn and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home unhurt and everyone was greatly relieved. I don't know if they were relieved because Paul finally stopped preaching 
<laughs> or whether they were relieved that the guy got healed. But God is awakening a Eutychus church, big C church, especially in the Western world. I wanna say to you this morning in no offensive way whatsoever that the church in the West is not necessarily a true reflection of the church in the Bible. When you travel the world and you go to third world countries and people walk for three hours to get to church on a Sunday and doesn't matter if there's air conditioning or not and doesn't matter if the sermon goes over half an hour and they see miracles. And then we live in a Western world where no longer is the church at the centre of our society and at the centre, the purpose of the church at the centre of Christians' lives. So Eutychus... The name Eutychus means to be well off and fortunate. That's the meaning of his name. And all of a sudden, while Paul is preaching, can you imagine falling asleep while Paul's preaching? I mean, just his testimony would have you on the edge of your seat. Steven Spielberg could make an amazing movie about Paul's life. The first terrorist in the Bible. Can you imagine his story? And here's a guy sitting there in the windowsill and falls asleep. Eutychus, to be well off and fortunate. I remember the days when, and they still talk about it in Adelaide, the city of churches where the whole community centred around the church. Churches in every suburb of Adelaide where the whole community was centred around the purpose of the church. I got good news, God is awakening this sleeping giant called the church and our best days are in front of us. And if we stop being churchians and get back into the centre of what God wants to do, what a transforming community we can become in our society today. God is releasing great power to this church. And as we look at Eutychus, we can learn some things. You know, you can be in the midst of all that God is doing and still not be that interested. My mom has got dementia so bad right now that she is in a very, very bad way. My dad gets up every morning and cooks for her the best food that she used to love eating when they were together at home. Over many years, the foods my mum would love. Over several visits to my mother's home where she is now and watching my dad get up early in the morning, I don't actually watch him get up early in the morning, but knowing that he does, and watching him take to the retirement village the food that my mum loves. And I've sat in the home and watched my dad trying to put that food in her mouth when she's not hungry. And when she doesn't want to eat it. And she grits her teeth. And he's trying to push the food in to show his love for her and show her that he's, he says to me, I've made her all this stuff, she doesn't even want to eat it. What a picture of being in the midst of all that God is doing and being in the midst of God moving and we can grit our teeth and go, I don't wanna eat this. I don't wanna eat this. this I, I, I don't want this. And so you can only feed who's hungry. You can, it's not the quality of the food that's the issue. It's the, the, the hunger that is is the issue in this situation. How can you be asleep when Paul is preaching? Maybe there were some reasons. He'd gone from the centre, as it were, to the windowsill. Do you know, I've watched Christians do it over 35 years. Maybe because he was drained physically and emotionally. Maybe he was tired because of the stresses of life. You know, we do bring our baggage to church. And sometimes we come with the stresses of life and we think, I can't be in the centre of everything. 
I'm just sort of off to the side a little bit because life really sucketh right now. Maybe we're distracted. Maybe if I sit to the side, I can get a good look across the congregation and see where all the single girls are. See where all the good looking guys are. That's the girl saying that. And, uh, you know, (laughs) just (laughs) so... You know, maybe he was drained physically and emotionally. Maybe, maybe Eutychus was distracted. Maybe he was disappointed. I used to be in the centre of things. I used to get asked around here to help and now my contribution doesn't seem to really count for much anymore. So I think I'll just step over to the side. And so he sits in the window, maybe with disappointment. Maybe he was disconnected in relationship. I told the first service how my wife Sharon and I had the privilege of leading to the Lord a man who once was a Salvation Army officer who walked out on his faith to become the leader of the Islamic paper here in South Australia. He was the editor of the Islamic paper. His name was Don Craig. He came into the menswear store I used to work in and to cut a long story short, we became friends. And in fact, he predicted in 1978, the world we're living in now with the issues the world is facing. He'd become an editor of the Muslim paper. And I said, how did you go from Salvation Army to Muslim? He said, well, I was engaged to a Salvation Army officer woman. We're about to get married, but I've got two invalid parents and she didn't want to marry me and have to look after them. And I said, we would have to live together as a family so I could look after my mum and dad. And she said, I only want you. I don't want to have to look after them and called off the engagement. His anger towards God, his anger towards the church, his anger towards his fiancée drove him in the opposite direction. He didn't just sit in the window, he dropped right out and fell to a spiritual death because of disappointment. Later, we led him back to the Lord. He was delivered from demonic forces. He got baptised and I got to do his funeral before he passed away, before I was even a pastor. And I wanna tell you, friends, God is a good God that can take anything that's asleep and bring it back to life. He can take a sleeping giant called the church and He can bring it back to full life again. For whatever reason, Eutychus fell asleep. We live in a world of so many distractions, so much information, so many options, entertainment at our fingertips, the best of everything, Christian channels on demand, podcasts, conferences and church programs. We've become good at having programs to keep people in church, but we haven't fully had the patterns that keep people in Christ. In the tragedy of our son's loss, no program will keep me. In the tragedy of our son's loss, no just kind people around is enough. That's great, it's awesome, but it's not enough. Somehow I have to have a God that's more than a program. I have to have a God that is real and that we know that eternity is real and that we live from eternity and not just for eternity. And I thank God that we're walking in eternity now. We just cross over. It's just a quick crossing over. And you know, for for the fact that for 39 years, I had we had a son that was with us and I won't be alive another 39 years. But let me tell you, eternity is forever. And I wanna thank God for eternity today. And I don't wanna be on the windowsill when eternity's at stake. I wanna be in the centre of all that God is doing. You see, when you move from the centre and thank you, bless you. When you move from the centre and off to the side in the windowsill, you you become a spectator. You sit in a place of possible escape. 
and possibly also a place of dropping out altogether and falling into spiritual death. I prophesy in the next five years that thousands of backsliders are going to wake up again. Thousands of our children that are no longer with God because they've been disconnected from the church are going to come home. Father, we pray for that today. We call them home in Jesus' Name. We want to be in the centre of what you're doing, Jesus, not off to the side, falling asleep as a spectator. He became drowsy. He was affected by flickering lamps. He was affected by flickering lamps. And that speaks to me of revelation. And I want to tell you, as Christians, we must have our own personal revelation of who God is, no matter how good the preacher is. No matter how good Paul was as a preacher, Eutychus needed a revelation. For some reason, there was a separation from a revelation of a lamp that stayed on bright. It was a flickering lamp. And when Christians move from the flickering lamp of revelation and slip into observation, the criticism that goes on in all Christian churches. I've been around for 40 years. I've not yet found a church that nobody leaves. Every church I've been in, someone leaves upset about something. And it's gone on for 40 years and I've never seen it any different. And I wanna tell you, people will tell you this is the best church in the world and others will tell you it really sucks. And so how can it be both those things? But when we move ourselves from revelation personally of who He is, we go into a place of observation and we judge things by what we see with the naked eye and the lamp begins to flicker and there's no more revelation. But there's good news. The good news is that Paul goes downstairs after the guy falls three floors to his death and picks him up in his arms and doesn't slap him. And say, you idiot, you interrupted the very main point of my message. I was just about to bring the best illustration out. I was about to close the meeting with a great finale and you drop out the window. Now I've got to come downstairs and pick you up and waste a few more hours. Now he picks him up and holds him in his arms and brings him back upstairs. And guess what? No more plan B. Do you know how many Christians have a window as a plan B? If I can't be in the centre of what's going on, I'll slip over to the side and I'll take my chances. I'll watch to see what happens. And, you know, I've always got a place of escape if this thing ain't going to cook with gas the way I want it to go. And so he comes back upstairs. Do you think he sat in the window again? I reckon he was front row seat. And the good thing is he stayed awake all night. All of a sudden, the lamp's not flickering anymore. Now it's a bright light, your lamp, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It says in Psalm 119, and I don't need God for a fix. We can't have a church that gives us a God for a fix. We need a constant lamp. We need a light of revelation in our lives through every situation so that when we go through stuff in our lives, we don't look for a window. We don't look for a way out, but we say, God, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, you are still my. God. And so Eutychus, you know, it says that everybody went home relieved. And Paul also says, don't worry, he's okay. Do you know God's not in heaven chewing his fingernails? Looking at the condition of the church in the Western world and go, gee, it's bad. Man, we better come up with a plan B because I think church is not really cooking anymore. 
Let me tell you, and I'm not saying this boastfully, and I know this is being recorded, but it is my passion to sit with key politicians and to sit with key community leaders and show them a church they're not aware of. Show them a church that the media doesn't present real well. Show them a church that's not here to point the finger at a broken world, but a church that's here to embrace a broken world, to love a broken world, put our arms around a broken world with a message of hope, with a message of truth and a message of love. You see, Eutychus moves from the inner to the outer. He became drowsy from flickering lamps. He moved from revelation to reason and then he falls into a deep sleep. Ephesians 5.14, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. God, the, uh, Paul says in the story, don't worry, the boy's okay. He's gonna live. Let me tell you, everybody went home relieved. I prophesy that God is looking at His church and He's about to put her on display. And we were the last ones to win this gold medal. We were the last ones to come through at the last minute in the eyes of man. But the church is coming through and winning every gold medal and coming through because He's putting her on display and everyone will go home relieved. May Australia be relieved that the genuine church is alive and well. This sleeper arising from the dead. Not only that, he's filling her with passion and he's filling her with zeal. And so Eutychus has been awakened, the Eutychus church. But in Numbers, and I'm gonna move really quickly, in Numbers 25, we're gonna see something very, very different happen in the next 10 years. And in talking with Pastor Tony, without coercing, any, but without talking each other into anything, we're thinking the same things. Even through what he's been through in his illness, there's such a passion for authenticity at every level. And we're talking about this church that, that even in Adelaide, there are pastors in denominations who when they get sick, nobody even bothers to visit them. But there's an army rising up even in this city that when we go through stuff, we're there for each other. We hold hands with each other. We stand with each other because we have a passion for authentic church. And in Numbers 25, the Israelites, I've got to move quickly. The Israelites were misbehaving. They were hanging around with Midianite women and they were getting into some naughty stuff. There was a bit of hanky-panky going on. And uh, so what happened is God says, I'm gonna stop this. My people are defiling themselves and really mucking up their lives. So He speaks to the nation of Israel and says, you've got to stop this. 24,000 people die in one day. I'm glad we live in New Testament times. I'm glad for the grace of God. But these pictures have spiritual connotations of how we can spiritually muck up our lives by ignoring the patterns of God's Word. And then all of a sudden, in every generation of decay, in every generation where stuff falls apart, God raises up a voice. He raises up someone. And there's a young man called Phineas, and he is the grandson of Aaron, and he is the son of Eleazar. And he picks up a sword when one of the Israelite men goes into a tent to have some amorous time with this lady. And he picks up the sword and he goes, into the tent and he takes the sword and pushes it through the back of the guy into the stomach of the woman. That's pretty scary stuff. Again, I'm glad for New Testament because in the New Testament, we also have a sword and we had a sword that can stop the things that bring decay to our nation and to our world. And it says, and because Phineas had such zeal and passion for doing what is right, there will always be one of His family on the throne of leadership forever. Because of passionate zeal displayed on the Lord's behalf. I believe this is a house 
I'm part of a house and there are houses all over this country that don't wanna do what God showed me a few months ago. He said, there are three churches in Adelaide. There are three churches in Australia. There are three churches around the world or types of churches that are right now living next door to each other, spiritually speaking, alongside each other, operating alongside. Trendy church, traditional church and truth honouring church. Now, I wanna tell you, if you're a truth honouring church, you'll be trendy and you'll have traditions, but they're not traditions of unforgiveness. They're not traditions of revenge. They're not uh, traditions, I'll prove you wrong. They're not traditions of fighting for our rights. There's a new tradition coming. When Chris passed away, I felt God say to me, live a lifestyle of forgiveness. Live for eternity and live authentically. There's no room inside of you and me if we have an eternal perspective to carry or harbour hurts or bitterness or pain. And we need some new tradition. For Daniel goes into Babylon. He was healthy, strong and good looking. The Bible says he was 17 years of age. If you do the research, he leaves Judah and goes into Babylon with the culture of Judah, but speaks the language of Babylon. And what's happened in the last 20 years in some parts of the church, in order to be trendy, in order to get bums on seats, in order to grow numerically, we start speaking the language of Babylon in the culture of Judah. It should be the other way around. We are from the culture of Judah and we don't speak the language. We speak the language that people understand in Babylon, but we don't speak the culture of Babylon. And God is bringing truth honouring church to the surface where we're gonna be authentic. We're gonna deal with things the way they should be dealt with because we don't want to be a political system. We wanna be a prophetic voice to the nation and to the world. And God is raising up a Phineas generation full of passion and zeal because He's awakening the Eutychus church. But then God showed me something else. And I wanna share this with you today because it's gonna affect every one of you. It's certainly affected me deeply. It's affecting me every day, to be honest. And that is I'm studying the book of Genesis in my devotions at the moment. And I get to Genesis chapter four and I'm reading the story of Cain and Abel. And the Holy Spirit says to me, the church of Jesus Christ in Australia and in the Western world is full of people that have brought an offering to God that God has not accepted. And what it's done is it's triggered the spirit of rejection. And all over the world, I sat with a non-Christian man yesterday, opened my Bible to Genesis 4 and went through what I'm about to go through with you. Tears welled up in his eyes and he goes, you've just described my life. I know rejection, you know rejection. There's not a person in this room that hasn't at some point known rejection. And if we don't know how to deal with that, it affects how awake we become. It affects how effective and zealous and passionate we stay. If every person that was once passionate for God, who's no longer in church today, was back today, there wouldn't be buildings big enough in Adelaide to contain them. And one of the reasons is the spirit of rejection. I wanna say, ladies and gentlemen, it's never our job to create a ministry we ask God to bless. God starts the vision, not us. People have come to me and go, Pastor Danny, I'm called to be a teacher. I'm called to be an evangelist. I'm called to be this. Will this church make room for me? It's the wrong posture. 
Let me tell you, let's read it because when you read with me today what happened in Genesis 4, it is quite a shock to me. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from the flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out for sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day, not the next day, a few days went by. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the field. It's amazing sometimes when a cup of coffee isn't a real cup of coffee. Let's catch up for a coffee. Let's catch up for a meal. Let's go for a walk in the field with one brother who's doing the right thing, thinking, wow, isn't it great to spend some time with my brother? And the other one has a plan in place to murder him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the sin was not that Cain made a mistake. This is the part that got me. Do you know there's not one of us in this room and there's not a pastor that will stand on this platform that doesn't make a mistake. The issue is not the mistake. The issue is learning from it and saying, I will do what's right so I will be accepted. So God gives Cain a second chance and says, your offering wasn't accepted. Isn't it interesting that it was so much about him that he never said, well, why wasn't it accepted? Hey God, can you tell me why? Where did I go wrong? Do you know every Christian should always have a posture of where did I go wrong? How can I fix this? As a pastor, you stand on a platform like this every week, you're gonna stuff up sometimes. But you're gonna have to be able to say, show me God, where did I go wrong? But instead of looking after the bigger picture of doing what was right, he became self-serving and starts to fight for his own survival and self-protection and ends up murdering his brother when he could have had a second chance to bring the right gift. How sad that is that in Christendom. So I'm in Melbourne two weeks ago and I'm uh, sorry, a few days ago, I'm in Melbourne. I'm driving in the car, get a phone call from a pastor who every church that he starts ends up falling apart. He says to me, Danny, what am I doing wrong? And I said, I've got a driver driving me and I've got you on speakerphone. So if you don't want to talk, we can talk later. He says, no, I want to talk now. I said, let me tell you what Cain did. He brought an offering to God that God never asked for. Not the way he asked for it. He brought an offering through his interpretation of what the ministry should look like. And God rejected it. And rejection is something that affects people everywhere. And he goes, oh my God. He goes, that's me. Now it takes a lot of guts for someone on a phone to say, that's me. He said, my father's been released from prison today. Five years in prison. He's in his 80s because he molested my younger sister 
a few years ago and she couldn't cope with the pain and she dobbed him in and he's just come out of prison. He's disowned us and everything I do, I want a father's approval, even your approval, Danny. Everything I do, I want people to see that I'm okay, that see that I'm doing right and everything I've done, I've brought the wrong offering. What a gutsy response. And let me tell you, that man's had a breakthrough in the last few days. He's handed the little church he was pastoring over to another bigger church. He's sitting in the congregation. He's looking for a job. And he goes, I'm just gonna do what's right because I wanna put a stop to this rejection that brings the wrong offering to God. See, he went to a place of insecurity when God said no. Do you know how many people, people have left our church because we wouldn't open the door to their teaching ministry? We wouldn't open the door to this kind of ministry. What about trusting God that if man gets it wrong, God will still get you where you're meant to be? Because I've tried to do that all my life. I actually trust God with my life. And man can muck it up and God will still get me where I need to get. People are leaving churches, they're leaving covering and they're leaving connection because their offering wasn't appreciated and they go to insecurity. From insecurity, Cain went to anger. From anger, he went to a dejected body language. Do you know we speak without ever opening our mouth? Our body language speaks. How are you doing? I'm right. The body language we show will show whether we're dejected, whether we're angry. There's a quiet anger. There's a suppressed anger on the inside. If he was that angry, Cain wouldn't have gone out for lunch with him. Sorry, Abel wouldn't have gone out to lunch with his brother. But he made it look like it was all controlled. But underneath there was a burning fire inside. He takes no responsibility for his disobedience. None of it. After God says, look, you can do the right thing. No, I'm not, I'm not in the wrong. I've done nothing wrong. Takes no responsibility. And then it says, sin will crouch at your door and then take control of you. Do you know how many people leave churches because they don't wanna be controlled? I don't want leadership to control my life. I don't want people to tell me what to do with my life. And then they come under the control of their rejection. And that rejection takes them on a journey. Now listen to me, friends. So these are the points. He goes from rejection to insecurity, to anger, dejected body language, takes no responsibility for his disobedience, opens the door to sin, becomes controlled by sin, and then attacks and kills his brother. What we do is when we don't feel we're capable of looking after what's happening on our emotions, we start killing our brother with our words. And we murder with our gossip and criticism. They abused us. They did this to us. They did that to us. And there's no ownership whatsoever of God. But what could have I done to bring the right offering to you? And so what we do is we murder each other with our words. And then he says this, I'm not even gonna be able to survive this. And God says, look, you'll live, but I'm gonna mark you. I thank God at the cross of Jesus, there's no marks. He carries the marks. So I thank God for the restoration of God that's coming. Let me tell you, this has got a good ending. There's a restoration of people that have been hurt in the church coming home because at the end of the day, they're not gonna be able to ignore that both the church and Jesus are one and they need to be connected together at every level. And we belong to this body of Christ, Big C Church, that God is awakening from sleep, is filling with passion and giving us the sense of confidence again as we deal with our insecurity. But he says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to send you to the land of Nod. Now, before you wonder whether I'm a real good deep teacher, just go to Google. You go to Google and look up Nod. And it means to always wander, 
and be homeless. To always wander and be homeless. At our son's funeral, a lady came up to me, said, I left this church eight years ago. I was angry. I was knocked back by a guy that I thought was going to take me out, led me on and then dumped me. She's been in eight churches since she's left ours. She's gone to the land of Nod, always wandering and homeless spiritually. Why? Because if you'd done the right thing, you would have been accepted. But sometimes it's harder to do the right thing than to go into self-preservation and fight for your own survival. And I want to tell you, friends, I don't want to live my life like that. I remember two weeks before I uh, got married, I got a beating from my father and mother because I was leaving the Italian church. And I want to tell you all through my life, I can give you story after story after story of rejection. But I've always known in my heart is the way you deal with that, the misunderstandings, the things that people say about you. We live to the audience of one. And I've tried to live to the audience of one. And I'm still standing at 60 years of age, not because I'm awesome, not because I've got all the skills and all the keys to sort out my life, but I trust the one who does. And when He asks me to bring an offering, if it's not good enough, I wanna know why. And if He tells me why it's not good enough, I'll change what I'm doing and I'll give Him what He wants me to give. And that's why a few weeks ago, I could go off financial staff at our church. I'm now, Sharon and I living by faith. Our Edge Church will sponsor us to some degree because they wanna be behind what we're doing in the body of Christ. They wanna send us. But let me tell you, the diary's booked till nearly the end of 2.17. The second half's got a few free dates and God has opened doors. Why? Because when you step out in faith and bring the offering He asks you to bring, let me tell you, you won't be rejected. You won't be left behind. But He will accept you and He will do what He needs to do to anoint you for that which He's called you to do. This sickness that Pastor Tony's been through is not by chance. And I wanna tell you, God is doing something of formation inside of him and Kath. And it's because truth honouring church is needed in Adelaide. This is a house that's gonna honour God's truth. You will stay trendy. You will have godly traditions. But let me tell you, we're not gonna put up with the spirit of Cain in any of the churches we minister to. We are gonna be able, gonna be able to build what God's called us to build. I want the musicians to come, but I'm telling you, my friends, it's a great day. It's good news. God is empowering His church in this new era by reviving her, by re-energising her with passion and zeal like Phineas had, but He's reappointing her to her purpose. God is waking up a Eutychus generation. He is empowering her with fresh passion and zeal and able to give God a pure sacrifice. Little play with words there. Able to give God a pure sacrifice of obedience to His divine pattern. I see that picture. I see it all over Australia. 1,700 pastors a month are resigning the ministry in the Western world. Not in the poor countries. In the poor countries, they're happy to die for their faith. You see... When Chris passed away, I didn't know what to do. Opened my Bible and nothing happened. I've lived my life by Bible revelation and now it all dies. There's nothing. I'm so grateful to God that when there was nothing, there was somebody 
the body of Christ that didn't love me for how big our church was or how small it was, didn't love me by my achievements, lack of them or the achievements. People like Pastor Tony, people like Kath, people like Jeff Woodward and many others who would just come and sit with you. And so we've got nothing much to say other than to sit with you. When Tony was in hospital, and I'll be honest, there were some moments there that were pretty scary. I prayed, held his hand, but just sat with him and fed him some grapes. I never felt more spiritual than in those moments. It's so easy to feel spiritual up here. But now you're holding the hand of someone that looks pretty ill. Sat on a plane next to a man whose baby was paralysed down one side in hospital in Brisbane. I'm on my way to Brisbane. I'm telling him the story of our loss. And then he tells me the story of his baby. And I said, well, would you be offended if I pray with you since I've not seen my son healed, but I know he's healed in heaven. He goes, no, no, go for it. By the way, let me tell you, I used to go to Influencers Church. Haven't been going for a while, haven't been going to church. We live in Brisbane now, we haven't got a church. We do believe in God, but you know, stuff happens. Prayed with him on the plane. Get a text two days later. The boy's now moving. See, do I believe God heals? Yes. I also believe in His sovereignty. And I'm not going to allow our situation to dictate the justice of our God. We are not spiritual guinea pigs He likes to experiment with. We're His kids. But there was a time of just sitting and thinking, what do I do? And then one day I had to stand on all that I did understand over here about God so I can cope with that I didn't understand, with what I didn't understand. There was too much I did understand to throw that away for this. Did He call me? Did I have a born again experience? What happened at that youth camp? What happened when I drove down South Road and God says, that's your building? $640,000 cash came in in one offering because God told me it was going to happen miraculously. I can go on and on and on. So the God of the universe doesn't do something the way I want Him to do it and I throw all that away? No, I had to go from sit to stand to sing again. Gee, it's painful to sing sometimes. It's not about me. My singing is my posture of faith to say, God, though the fig tree does not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vine, yet will I rejoice in the Lord, God of my salvation. And then I can serve again. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.